Hey Seacoast Church, this is Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Congratulations on 25 amazing years. I don't think you have any idea of how many churches you've inspired and how many lives you've touched. You know, every time you attend church, serve, and give so generously, you're making a difference. And only heaven will reveal the impact of your faithfulness. And I can't thank your pastors, Greg and Debbie, enough for their friendship and love to me. We literally wouldn't be here if they hadn't believed in us and invested money to get us started. I hope you have the best celebration of all today. And if all the greetings you're gonna get today from all the pastors, just know that none of them loves you as much as I do. God bless you. I remember the first Sunday when we gathered at the movie theater in Mount Pleasant. After weeks of calling, praying, and working, as we gathered that morning wondering if anyone would show up, from that first Sunday, Seacoast has grown to be one of the most influential churches in America. Not only has it changed the way the church is done in Charleston, in South Carolina, in the Southeast, but through the ARC Association, Seacoast is literally, and it's literally touching the world today. I wanna to congratulate Pastor Greg and Debbie, the leadership team, the entire Seacoast family. It's been, a part, it's been a God thing that you've been able to enjoy. I believe the best is yet to come. I pray the next 25 years will be bigger and better than the first 25 years. Congratulations on the first 25 years. God bless you. Have a great year. Well, what a wonderful journey. 25 years there at Sea Coast. And a huge congratulations to both you, Greg, and Debbie for all of your labors, all of your efforts. God, He sees the tears and the pain, as well as the joys and the successes. But any of us who have long-term pastored a church know that we have various seasons, but we can see the, gra the grace and the faithfulness of God all the way through the journey. And your lives are testimony to the grace and the favor of God. Greg, you're a great blessing. I thank God for the way He's using you, for the opportunity He's given you, and to both of you, along, I'm sure, with all who were gathered there. We just wish you a huge and a happy anniversary, 25 years, and the best is yet to come. Pastor Greg and Debbie, I love you all with all my heart. You are incredible people, and I celebrate with you the tremendous God-glorifying work that's happened through your amazing church over the last 25 years. You are heroes of the faith, you're great examples of generosity, integrity, and evangelism. I love you all. Congratulations on 25 years and buckle up because you're only getting started. The best is yet to come for Seacoast Church. In 2013, Seacoast Church celebrates 25 years of serving God and changing lives. God has blessed Seacoast immeasurably, but we believe that the best is yet to come. Next is about celebrating our here while asking God to show us our there. Next is also about God's plan for you. He has a next for you, whether you know it or not. So let's take some time to discover your next and what it will take to get there. Wow, I think we ought to give God glory. Do you think that, do you think that we should? I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or maybe on the internet or wherever you happen to be in the world. Uh, we're so glad that you're uh, able to celebrate with us 25 years of God's grace and his mercy and his power uh, among us. I, th I thought it would be interesting to do this. In the campuses and here, uh, let's do a little survey. How many of you um, were, have been here 
for at least 20 of the 25 years or were a part of that first kind of five years of our journey. Would you just stand up? Would you stand up? Is there any of us? All right, just stay standing. Wow, wow, that's awesome. Okay, stay, stay standing, let's, let's add to this. So how many of you uh, were a part of uh, at least 10 years, 10 to 20 years of this journey? Would you stand and join them? You've been here for at least 10 years, all right? Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know what? Stay standing. I told Debbie before, I'm going to tell you what I told Debbie before church. I said, usually every weekend, I think, this is about the people. This is about the people. This is about new people coming in. This is about the people that go here. God bless. This week, it's about me. I don't care. I'm just loving this. I'm just loving this. I just love seeing friends and family. Okay, how many of you have taken the journey for at least five years, between five and, and 25 years? Would you stand together with us? That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Let's give a hand to the newbies, all right? All right. Stand together with us. Stand together with us. Stand together with us. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. You know, I want to tell you how awesome it has been. And that's in the campuses, too. I hope you guys are doing this. It, it has been great to be a pioneer, but I want to tell you, you are all pioneers for the next 25 years. How about that? Isn't that great? Why don't you just bump fists with somebody around you and say, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I am part of next. Okay, so this is a celebration and, uh, and, and we're moving into the holiday season. This weekend comes Thanksgiving. That's one of my favorite ones. Uh, and there's uh, Christmas. There are two types of people really in the world. There are those that just love the holidays. They just love, if you're one of those, you've got your tree either up already or it's on ready. You can't wait. You know, come on, let's do this. Everybody else is driving around town saying, what, it was just Halloween and Christmas trees are there. And you're going, man, next year I hope they do it in September. They just put them up because I love it. How many of you are like that? How many of you, that's, that's you, okay. All right. And then there's the other kind. And you're just like, oh my, it's going to be busy. It's going to be crazy. We have commercialized Christmas to such a degree. I don't even like it anymore. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands because that would be really depressing. But, you know, and there are some reasons uh, to have e emotions less than pure joy at Christmas. There's loss. You know, uh, this can be the first holiday season since you lost a family member or a friend. And it, it just brings the burden onto it. Um, ec the extra work. You know, some of you are married to the extrovert that loves it and you get to do the work that supports their habit. And, uh, you know, it just seems like a lot going on. Uh, or it, it, maybe um, you, you have less than pure joy because you're going to spend some time this week and Christmas around people that you know you should love, but you don't. How many of you? Don't, don't point. Okay, don't point. Well, I like the holidays. I'm one that loves, loves the holidays, especially Thanksgiving. What's not to like about Thanksgiving? You know, usually you get a couple days of work off and 
then we give thanks for uh, what we feel like God is doing among us, and then we overeat and we watch football. I mean, how much better can it be than that? But it's a, it's a positive holiday. It's time to pause and reflect and give thanks. And we're going to do that uh, as a church this week. We're, we're celebrating 25 years next Sunday, I gotta, or next weekend. I got to tell you, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, Ken Burns, who is the uh, Emmy Award winning documentary uh, guy, he's done all kinds of them. Um, uh, Civil War, baseball, national parks, tons of them. Well, Eric Ewers, who has won several Emmy Awards for his work, he, he's kind of the, the, one of the producers. His mother comes to church here, and he, uh, him and Ken live up in uh, uh, the Northeast and comes to church, loves our church, and he said, could we do a documentary on Seacoast? Could we do one just for you? And so they have done one of those style documentaries, and, and we're going to do that next week. That's part of what we're going to do with our service. We're going to premiere it here. So I want you to be a part. Invite a friend. It's going to be a great, great weekend. We'll have Eric here, and we'll interview him a little bit. And this week, what we want to do is we want to reflect, and we want to give thanks. Now, if you're expecting a great message, you may be disappointed this weekend. Some of you have been expecting a great message for 25 years, and you're <laughs> in some level of disappointment. Some of you have settled that in your heart, that it's okay. You, you like this church anyway. Well, what we're going to do, I just want to kind of share a little bit. just want to kind of be the, the father of the house, just talking about um, what I'm thankful for um, um, over the first 25 years of Seacoast Church, and I want to give thanks for it. Now, the scripture that came to me this week as I was really praying about where we want to go is from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3. And in this scripture, Paul is writing a letter to a church that he started, and um, he's giving thanks for them for some specific things. And as I read it, I thought, you know, that's exactly what I'd like to give thanks to God for as a church for these first 25 years. And so let's take a look at it. If you have a Bible, you'll be able to follow along uh, just fine uh, if, uh, or uh, in your outline sheet or on the screen, we'll have the scriptures up. In fact, I, here's what I'd like us to do. Let's read it out loud together. Can we do that? We always, a lot of times we do move our lips when we read out loud. Okay, and some of the people at the West Campus were not doing that. I know that. The early service at Somerville, you guys wake up. Okay, let's read out loud together. Here we go. We always thank God for you. Okay, let's stop there. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whoever interpreted this got it wrong. Paul was a Southerner. It's y'all. It's y'all. Let's go back and let's read it the way it should be interpreted. We always thank God for y'all and always mention you in our prayers. For we remember before our God and Father how much or how you put your faith into practice, how your love made you work so hard, and how your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ is firm. Here's the reason I, I, I got ahead of myself. I was thinking y'all, and then some of you put y'all in the second one, but when it's an individual person, it's you, it's not y'all, okay? And then when it's everybody, it's what? All y'all. Okay, that's good. We got it. So here's three things, three things I'm thankful for uh, after 25 years. The first one is this, a community of people that chose to take the journey with us. A community of people who chose to take the journey with us. Someone said, a great vision without great people is irrelevant. 
Would you agree with that? A great vision without great people is irrelevant. Paul said, for we remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice. He said, these are great people. The reason the Thessalonian church became a great church is because there were great people. He said, you put your faith into practice. In fact, circle that phrase. Will you do that? You put your faith into practice. See, the world doesn't need more Christians. We really don't. The world doesn't need, see, there are plenty of name-only Christians who don't put their faith into practice, who frankly do more harm than good. People who the gospel has not penetrated their actions. They're no more loving, no more generous, no more accepting than someone who doesn't call themselves Christians. And Paul says of the, of the, the Corinthian church, another church that he established, he said, he said uh, these guys are, are high on what most people uh, measure as maturity. If you're going to put them on a scale, maturity scale, say most people, what they measure, the Corinthian church would have been really, really high on. Things like having a lot of gifts, you know, having a lot of wisdom, having a lot of education, having a lot of knowledge. He said those things are good, but, he's, but, but he said without love, they are a noise as a noisy bell or a clinging cymbal. And I thought, well, if Paul was writing uh, to the church today in our vernacular, he would say that if you don't have love, you're like ringing iPhones and roaring Harleys or blaring dubsteps and candy crush invites. How many of you are tired of those? Or buzzing text messages uh, uh, or Instagram selfies or anything sung by Kanye West or Miley Cyrus. Those are obnoxious, okay? He says, he says church... We don't need more Christians. What the world needs is more Christ followers. See, the first thing that Paul remembers about the Thessalonians is that they put their faith into practice. They were real deal Christians. They were known by their love. Seacoast, years ago, we decided that we would measure maturity not by what you know, but by who you love. That's the measure of maturity. A great vision without great people is irrelevant. I believe that Seacoast is a great church. I really do. And I believe it's a great church because of the great people who have chosen down through the years to take the journey with us. Can I just recognize a few? And I know as I recognize a few people, I mean, we got 12, 13,000 people in this church. I'm going to miss a few, okay? I know that. But I just want to recognize a few along the, the journey. The first one is my wife and the family that God has given us. You guys don't know her that well because she's behind the scenes by choice. I try to get her up here every once in a while and it's just miserable for her and me. And so I let her be who God has created her to be. She's my biggest cheerleader. She has been from day one. Um, in our early years of discouragement, and we've talked about that, how we had this vision for, for a church, and it took us so long to get off the ground, so long. We didn't grow for, for three years at all and barely, for, but we got back up to our original attendance in year five. And I got to tell you, there was some very discouraging times there. And, um, and she was my cheerleader, my cheerleader. She's always been a rock. 
There have been discouraging times when the city wouldn't let us build a bigger building, and we just thought that was the worst thing in the world until God said, no, that's a good thing. Let's do multi-site and be an example, you know, to the world and how that can be done. But there were discouraging times then. There have been a few discouraging days since then, a couple, you know, three or four. And she's my cheerleader, and she's a rock, and, uh, and I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful for Fred Richard. Uh, Fred may be here tonight. I don't know. He always kind of slips in, in into the back. He doesn't like to be in the limelight. Sent us a video. You saw his, his, uh, his kind of endorsement at the beginning of the service. And Fred has had a vision. He's, he's been an, uh, an apostle to this city for years and years and years and had a, had a vision to reach the city. And he knew that Northwood Assembly wouldn't do it alone. And one of the things he did is he unselfishly gave and said, we want to, we want to plant Seacoast. And, uh, and they gave and they gave and he put his faith into practice. I called him this week and I said, you know what, you're a leader who still inspires me. You're one of my heroes. You're a guy that gets it and does it. I'm thankful for people like Ron and Libby Hamilton and Byron and Sue Neesmith in the early years that sold your house, moved your kids into a brand new environment. And, um, and, and believed in the vision and put your faith into practice long before you should have, long before you should have believed in it because you didn't know me that well, you know. And, uh, and Terry and Brenda Hilders who are here. Remember when I called you, Terry, and I said, man, revival's coming to the town. You need to quit your job in our hometown of Denver, Colorado, and you need to come out here. And then it immediately began to tank. And I don't know whether that was you or me or the combination of the thing. They were our closest friends and still are, some of our closest friends. Terry and I, we have coffee regularly when I come through Denver. He comes through here, and what a blessing you guys have been. I think about, uh, so many, so many. I think about uh, Themis and Sarah Christ, uh, who started in the, in the, the very first week in the movie, the, or in the movie theater, and, and then uh, they had Hurricane Hugo wipe out their house. Uh, they lived in the old village. That was their retirement. I remember going up, going over and helping them clean up every day, and Themis and I sitting out, and Terry sitting with us out, digging ditches out so that the water would come out of the house and all of those things, and, and they were so faithful to the church, and Themis went to be with the Lord. I did his funeral uh, celebration service a few years ago, um, but we were in, um, we were in, in Asheville uh, doing a, a service um, where we were talking about the vision a few months ago, and a young lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, um, when, when we played the video of the groundbreaking, we had a little piece of it in here where we had 200 people, it's, that's how many people came to our church, and we had kind of sketched out on the ground where we were going to build this building, and, and she came up to me, and she said, you know, my grandparents were there. My grandparents were, were some of the first people that gave toward that, and now she, she, she works for us, and her brother is one of the uh, musicians here at the Long Point campus, and she said they invested in us, and we didn't even exist at the time, which made me feel really old. But it was a good thing. It was a good thing. Think about Bobby and Robin Riggs and the Waits and their whole group that came in early on, and Jeff and Sherry, my my brother, and Chris and Jenny, my brother and, and sister-in-law, Alex and Liz, who are here uh, tonight, who were early on, Michael and Cindy Morris. 
uh, Jody, Jody, we, we know you as Jody Felty. We know you have another name <clears throat> because she's married and gone on, done gr- great things. But remember how much she uh, meant in establishing our missions program. Byron and Jean Davis, who helped us with um, the multi-site vision, on and on and on. I think about all of our campus pastors, Josh and Lisa Surratt and uh, Josh and Katie Walters here at the Long Point campus and, and Ron and Libby, who I've mentioned, Joey and Priscilla Spencer, Joey is absolutely crazy, and he way over-married when he married Priscilla, and it works. It really works at the James Island campus. And Phil and Sherry Strange, who are here and will be in Somerville tomorrow, and uh, uh, brand-new campus pastors in Irmo is Patrick and Kelly Conley, and we're so thrilled with them. Brand-new campus pastors in Columbia, Chris and Abby Russo, excited about what's going to happen with them. They're fairly recent to the journey Uh, Alex and Katie Johnson in Asheville, and Ross and Misty White in Greenville, and Jim and Paula Fleming and Manon, uh, without a G, Manon, that's how they say it there, and uh, Seth and Kelly Ferrier, uh, uh, pastoring thousands on the internet, and uh, Michael and Cindy Morris in the chapel, and on and on and on and on, my entire family. Uh, I thank God for all of you. We remember how you put your faith into practice, and you have. Now, worship has always been central to what we do here at Seacoast from the very, very beginning. And uh, I remember asking Fred and Tracy Norris, who I barely knew, they led our worship for our young adult group at um, Northwood Assembly, to come and join us on the journey. And they signed up right away. I asked uh, Jan and Steve Radikoff, we still argue about who paid for the meal that night, when, but uh, I think I did. Steve says they did, but uh, to come and be a part of what we were doing uh, musically. I remember when a 19-year-old College of Charles student, Car- Charleston student named Tara Roberts, who has become Tara Banks, was a backup singer in the whole thing who now leads our worship department. I remember when Jan's younger brother, Martin, uh, came and I called their dad and I said, I, I, I hate to do this, but I need another uh, of your kids to come over from Scotland. We've got to have them. I remember when my youngest brother Chris joined us and what a blessing he was to uh, our worship team and on and on and on and on. And so I asked them if they would do a worship medley of Seacoast music down through the years. Okay? Does that sound good? Welcome them as they, as they come. Oh 
Spirit. 
I could use some more of that. I'll tell you, that's good. Nobody plays the saxophone like Rob Williams, I'm telling you. Remember him teaching in a little, little school one day and came over and said, Rob, could you do that for us? And he did. Did I step up too soon or not? Are you done? Okay, good. Great. Thanks, guys. Give him one more hand. Will you do that? I am uh, so thankful for the community that chose to take the journey with us. Let, let, me, uh, let me give you a second thing. I've got to hurry on this because, wow, do I have to hurry. We, we haven't used that much time, have we? I guess we have. Okay. All right, we'll talk real fast. Uh, I thank God. We've got all night, but they don't have, whatever, we have to, whatever. Yeah. I thank God for a church that reflects God's generosity. God's generosity. I think about uh, Paul to the Thessalonians. He says, we remember how your love made you work so hard. How do you know that love makes hard work enjoyable? Anybody familiar with that concept? If you love your job, you love working hard. If you don't love your job, your job is hard. Would you agree with that? that when I, uh, I think of that, uh, uh, biblical characters, I think of Jacob. You remember Jacob who, uh, in Genesis chapter 29, he went to his uncle Laban, and he thought his, his, his cousin really was good looking. Uh, they're, they're from West Virginia. And, uh, and so his cousin's name was Rachel, and his uncle Laban said, if you'll work for me for seven years, he said, I will give you her as your wife. And it says, so Jacob worked for Laban seven years so he could marry Rachel, but they seemed like just a few days to him because he loved Rachel very much. You ever been that much in love? I still am. Oh, you know, and love expresses itself in generosity. If you look at John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not die and have eternal life. How many of you are glad that God did, didn't just say, I love the world? How many of you are glad that God said, I love it so much, I'm going to give? I'm going to give. I'm going to give. And I'm going to give. Um, you can, somebody said you can give without loving. Some of you will do that this Christmas, okay? There are people that you will give to that you don't really love, but you have to because it would be embarrassing if you didn't. But you cannot, you cannot love without giving. When you fall in love, when you love somebody or something, uh, when, you, when you love them, it's hard to keep the money in your, in your pocket. I learned about giving from my father who is with us uh, here uh, this weekend and he's going to pray over some of the services and I'm so glad that he's here. I remember as a little kid uh, when we'd have some financial challenges in our house, dad would always ask my mom, how's our giving? Because mom was the one that did the stuff and dad's philosophy was that you, you give your way out of financial challenges and that's what we learned as kids, and, and I thank God for that. And I think it's because he loved God and he loved the church, like very few people that I know. This is a loving, generous church. You love God and you love, you love our church. Recently, uh, someone uh, started giving here, and they, they said, do, do you know what? It's so cool. I feel like I'm now a part of what goes on at Seacoast. All the good that goes on, the mission trips and the Dream Center and all the community outreach. And she said, I feel like I'm a part of that because I'm giving. You know, the Bible says, 
Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Because hearts follow treasure. Where you invest your resources and your money, that's where uh, your, your heart uh, goes. And you guys have done that so much. You've given over the years. Those of you who have been here for 25 years, several times, you've said, you know what? We believe in the chair, the empty chair, with the, the stories that are in the chair. We believe in them so much. We're going to sacrifice and we're going to give. Many people have come to know God because of your generosity. And those of you who have given over the years, you own the stories in the chairs. You've given to help our communities, the dream centers and the adoptive blocks and the book bags and the Thanksgiving meals and the volunteers in clinics, the dental access days, the school cleanups, the water at bridge runs, tipping like Jesus would when you go to a restaurant, serving in jails and rehab centers. This is the most generous church I have ever been a part of. I'm not just saying that. You guys are. And you've given to touch the world. Uh, A year ago, year and a half ago, we said we want to do a maternity uh, clinic in Uganda. And I was going to play a video. I don't have time to do that. But we we asked you to give uh, toward a... um, a fertility clinic and, and a, a maternity clinic and, and now there are hundreds of babies that are born that couldn't have been born otherwise. You've given uh, to uh, water systems around the world and just, just every, I was on Skype this week with one of our church planters who is a son of the house here at Seacoast in a Middle Eastern country. I can't mention the name of it. The country is closed to the gospel and, uh, and, and so I was Skyping with him. It was well after midnight, their time. And, and I thought, uh, I know this guy. We brought him in. We have a close relationship to, with him. I'm mentoring him every month. I wake up in the morning wondering how long the line will be at Starbucks. He wakes up in the morning wondering if he'll be alive at the end of the day. He's ministering to a growing congregation of thousands. A couple of months ago, you gave a gift that you didn't even know that you gave. In fact, you've given thousands of dollars toward this particular project. We don't say a lot about it because we can't. His wife came on, um, uh, came on the Skype after midnight. She said, I want to I say something. I said, what's that? Tell your people how much we love them. You've kept our family safe. Well, I'm asking you to do that again. Part of our 25th anniversary is to, is to take a look at what's next. I'm asking you to think about the stories in the seats. I'm asking you to help us to enlarge five of our campuses. Our Long Point campus, we're going to enlarge by 800 seats. Uh, we're going to enlarge our, um, our Somerville campus. They're full to overflowing. We're going to enlarge our Dream Center. We're going we're to establish a new campus for James Island and for Columbia. And I'm asking you to do that because not because... We want to have more people. I have never been in this to have the largest church. I don't care. In fact, we quit sending our numbers in to those that track those things that said that we are one of the largest, most influential churches uh, in America, uh, and they do a magazine every, every year on it. And uh, a couple of years ago, I just said, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore because that's not what it's about with us. It's about the empty chair. It's about those who are going to come to know Jesus. And I'm asking you to sacrifice to give out of the the surplus of what God has given to you and also to say, what can I sacrifice over the next two years 
to, to help us continue to reach those people. To build new hospitals in Nicaragua and other places in the world. Clean water uh, uh, systems in various uh, parts of the world. And to continue to plant churches. We plant ark churches every four days these days. I don't know if you know it, but I read from 1 Thessalonians, um, which is in the city of Thessaloniki, Greece. Um, the gospel has fallen on hard times in Greece. Ark planted a church, Zoe Church in Thessaloniki, Greece. My daughter-in-law, Lisa, was recently there and uh, uh, spreading throughout the world. This weekend, we have some guests with us from China. I'd like our Chinese guests. Would you guys stand? These are... Um, the one that didn't look Chinese on the end. That's David Branker. David, would you stand? David is our international director uh, for the ARC. These guys, these guys are some of my heroes. These guys have planted some of the great churches in China. And now they're here to talk about forming ARC China and how we can help them to plant 5,000 churches in the next few years. Church, we are at a critical place. We are at a critical place. We can't stay here. We've got to either give up and just maintain or we've got to go on. We're asking for a big goal. We need, we, we need to raise, in order for all of the projects that we have on our board, we need to raise an additional $16 million plus what you guys already generously give. And I said a couple of weeks ago, don't worry about it. We've got the money. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's still in your wallets. And what I want to do is help you get it out. That's what, what, what we're doing. But I'm confident and thankful for the people who have taken the journey and for your generosity, and I'm confident in your faith. Let me give you one more thing I'm confident for, or I'm thankful for, and that's a future that looks even brighter than our past. Paul says, we remember how your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ is firm. He wrote that to a Thessalonian church because there were some people in that church that had real questions about the future. If you know the history of the Thessalonian church, Paul had established a church by going and preaching the good news in the synagogues, and it wasn't long until he was run out by a riot in the town by enemies of the gospel. And uh, prematurely, really, he hadn't really completely taught what he wanted to. And so he sends Timothy, his protege, back to kind of uh, uh, fill in the gaps. And then Timothy comes and brings a report to Paul. Paul says, how's the church? And Timothy says, Paul, overall, the church is doing really, really good. But he said, some have died in the church, and because some aren't really clear on what happens to deceased saints, they're grieving hopelessly. And so Paul writes Thessalonians to that group to assure them that their hope in Christ is firm, and that it's a great, it's a great book on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, can I take just a minute and reassure you that your hope in Christ is firm? Some of you have had loved ones who've died recently in Christ. And sometimes there are voices and there are wanderings. You know, will I see them again? Can I tell you that your hope in Christ is firm? Some of you uh, have 
physical needs for healing. And every service for about the last eight years we've been doing this, we have anointing, oil, and prayer according to James 5. And we believe in healing. We believe that we will pray for you until healing comes. For some, healing comes immediately. For some, healing is a process. For some, healing happens when Jesus returns and you are whole. For some, healing happens when you go to be with the Lord, but healing happens and you can stand firm in the fact that God cares for you in that way. Some of you have loved ones who haven't responded to Christ yet. And the key word is yet. God is at work. He loves your loved one more than you do. And his Holy Spirit is at work behind the scenes. And that's why we light candles and we pray for those that, that we're concerned about that the, that the light of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit would be at work in their lives. And I want you, every time you send up a prayer for a loved one, to know that your faith in Christ is firm and it's secure. Some of you are unsure about your future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The word hope simply means a feeling of expectation and desire for something to happen. And I believe that God's will is that we live every day of our life with a feeling of expectation that something good is going to happen. We ought to be the hope peddlers of the world. I'm a hope addict. I don't know about you. And that's what's been going on for 25 years here. God wants you to live every day with hope. And I'm hopeful about the future of this church. We're raising up some powerful next generation leaders. In fact, most of the meetings I'm in here at this church, I'm the oldest person in the room, except for if Michael Morris or Chip Judd are in the room, and then they're a lot older than I am. My favorite worship leaders on the planet are right here in this church and in our campuses, and I mean that. My favorite speakers are the next generation speakers that speak when I don't speak. When I'm away from here, I always watch on the internet and I am always fed and encouraged and lifted and have something that I can live on. Can anybody say amen with the, with the teachers that God has given us? We're asking you to invest in them. I, I have a vision. We have a vision of a next generation leadership academy that will raise up leaders for the church, for the community, and for the world. And we're asking you to invest in that. I read an article this week uh, on the internet, and what caught my eye was the title. It said, Church of England, one generation from extinction, says former archbishop. George Carey, a good man, former archbishop of Canterbury, head of the Anglican church, who's now in the House of Lords, uh, said this. He was talking to his church, and he said, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We are one generation from extinction, and if we do not invest in young people, there's going to be no one in the future. When I read that, I said, we will not be that church. We will not be the church that just cares about us. We will be the church that cares about the next generation. I heard a story, don't know whether it's true or not, about a guy who owned a piece of land here in the Charleston area, and he wanted to build a hotel on it. The city leaders were slow. I know how that goes. They weren't sure that they wanted it to happen, and they had all kinds of things they had to go through. And finally, he brought his six-year-old grandson and set him on a chair next to him as he spoke to the city leaders. They said, well, why is he here? And he said this, we own this piece of land. We are going to build a hotel here. If I don't receive permission, I wanted to introduce you to the man who will build it. <laughs> I thought that was gutsy. I'm not how that, sure how that turned out with him. 
But I do want to say that this has been a great 25 years. I hope to be 25 years from now at the 50-year celebration. My role will be different then, but I'd like to introduce to you some of the leaders who will be leading us then. We always do a benediction at the end of our service. I'm going to do it a little early today. And I thought you might like to know who your leaders will be 25 years from now. You take a look at this. Now to him, now to him, who is able, who is able, able to do a masterpiece, more and all, all we all ask. ask or imagine, according to, to his power, to his power, his power, that is at work within us, that's at work within us, to him be glory, to him be the glory, for we in the church, in the church. In the Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations. All generations. All generations. All generations. Forever and ever. Ever and ever. Ever and ever. Ever and ever. Amen. 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 If you're a guest here today, we're glad you're here. This is a special celebration, but I, I need to tell you that our church family has been praying. We've been asking God to challenge our generosity. How much does he want us to invest in the future of this church? Now, I'm confident we're all going to be involved. The only question is to what degree and how much. Uh, on your on your chair, and you've, you've seen this about three weeks in a row, so hopefully you're familiar with it. There's a card. There's a card. That card is a, is a token of our commitment. And what we're asking you to do is this week make a commitment to what God is saying to you. If you look at the back of the card, it has a place for your critical information. And then it says, my or our two-year next commitment. The first line what, what we normally give in a year. You know, if, if you have not been a, a contributor up to this point, it's okay. Just leave it blank. Or if you've got an idea, this is what we normally give in a year. Just kind of put that in. Plus, an additional one year's generosity. I believe that God, what, what we did in our family is we prayed and we said, over the next two years, what can we give above and beyond what we normally give? And then you divide that in half and that gives you a one year annual generosity which is one year total. You times it by two, because we're, we're asking this over the next two years. And then my stored resources, things like stocks. Uh, there's somebody the other day said, I want to give you stock in our, in our business or stocks that we have or savings, whatever it happens to be. And then my, a total of my two-year uh, commitment. And what we're going to do is during our response time, uh, we're going we're gonna to come and we're going to uh, just bring them to the Lord. What I'd like to do right now is I'd like everybody just to take one in your hand and I want to pray over them. Can I do that? Actually, I'm going to have my friend Terry Hilders come and I'm going to ask him to pray over our commitments and over the future of our church. Wow. I'm so proud. 
Who knew that 25 years ago, this guy would get better looking? <laughs> Let me just tell you one thing. The same passion, 25 years ago, the same faith he had standing before a handful of people. He stands before hundreds and thousands of people. And God's going to do it. We're going to pray in faith today. Would you join with us? Father, we thank you for the great blessing of God for Seacoast. We thank you for your glory, your power, your love, your grace that has been manifested through this church. We thank you for the leadership of Greg and Debbie. We thank you for all the pastors and campus pastors and staff through the years, for all the church that has joined together as Seacoast. But Lord, we pray today for an even greater miracle than what we've seen in the last 25 years. And tonight, Lord, a seed is planted in hearts of faith and believing that the next 25 years, that not only the children we see on the screen tonight, but the children of the future will continue this legacy of God's work here and around the world. We thank you for all that, Pastor Greg, all that those have slaved and worked hard to provide for this, Lord. We pray blessing upon them, and God, we give you the next. By faith, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone prayed, amen. Amen, amen, amen.